just an ordinary ship. Appearances can be very deceiving, Joe. There's something wrong here. We're still on Earth, aren't we? No, that's impossible. Don't you ever admit that you're wrong? No, it's impossible too. Thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Caleb. And I'm Mac. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And today we are talking about the Carnival of Monsters. Yes, and the Carnival of Monsters was written by Robert Holmes, directed by Barry Letts, and also produced by Barry Letts. This is his one for the season. He gets one per season. It aired January 27th, 1973 to February 17th, 1973. So, Caleb, do you recognize Robert Holmes? I do, but remind me. I'd like it if you guessed. <sighs> Fuck, I don't know. Um... <laughs> I, wanted to try, I wanted to try this. I will, I'll give you a gold star if you can tell me at least one episode. I'll, t- I'll give you this. Robert Holmes has written four stories. Colony in space. No. <laughs> Damn. He has written The Crotons, The Space Pirates, Spearhead from Space, and Terror of the Autons. Mixed bag. Yeah, mixed bag, which I'm pretty sure is exactly what we said when we got to Terror of the Autons. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is this is the first episode that we get to uh, have. Not It's not the first time the Doctor has like, traveled in space in the TARDIS, but... This is the first time that we are definitely free of the unit template. And of the Time Lord exile. So freedom! I have surprisingly very little to say. I'm just kind of curious to see what it is that we're going to be doing now. If like We've been attached to unit for so long. It's like, what even was the show before unit, you know? You know? And I'm so attached to unit. And Yates and Benton, what what will I do without them? What will I do without, looks at hand, Captain Bates. <laughs> Captain Bates. And Sergeant Yenton and Bridget. Wait. Uh, yes, Bridget Leatherstrips. <laughs> but I suppose predicting what this episode's going to be about really isn't my job. It's yours. Caleb, given everything you know about Doctor Who and given the title of this episode, The Carnival of Monsters, what do you think this episode's going to be about? The Doctor, eager to leave, uh, leaves and finds himself in a space caravan where the spaceships are shaped like the fucking wagons from circuses and junk. And they they need a ringmaster, and the doctor is uh, egotistical and emotionally manipulative enough to do that, and and so it's the greatest showman in space. You know, I have re-listened to the greatest showman soundtrack several times since seeing that movie. I have had absolutely zero desire to rewatch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those musicals where it's like I like the music a lot more than I liked the actual product it came. Yeah, Kylie feels very similar about the movie. She tries to sell me on it. She's like, you should watch this movie. Like, listen to how good the music is. I'm like, yeah, the music's all right, I guess. I don't really want to watch the movie. I have the exact same opinion about it that I do about Spring Awakening, where it's like, the soundtrack is really good. I don't like the thing that it came from. And it it helps with Spring Awakening that uh, it is completely separate. Like, the soundtrack has jack fucking shit with, with to do with the story but anyway doctor who <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about <laughs> at this point you usually make the this is a musical theater podcast now uh no i refuse <laughs> get me off this <laughs> I re- ride i will not do a musical theater podcast oh fuck no i am absolutely not even gonna open the door to that <laughs> <laughs> this is the caleb hates musical theater podcast <laughs> look i used to really hate musical theater but then I started to grow more of an appreciation for it in college, 
and I realized that I just hated Golden Age musical theater. But musical theater in general, I'm okay with. What I have consistently had a hatred for is musical theater people. Oh, yes. Fuck. <laughs> that is straight up 80% of it. Like, the people who really like musical theater or musicals, movies, are fucking insufferable. If I have to choose between having to deal with musical theater fans or Doctor Who fans, shockingly, I'd rather go with the Doctor Who fans. I can't stand any of you. (laughs) I hate all of you. More than anything else, I think being around musical theater people for several years is what jaded my sense of humanity. (laughs) More than anything else, I think. Anyway, I guess on that note... (laughs) This is a musical theater people podcast. (laughs) It's not about musical theater. It's about musical theater people. And how much we hate them. We will see you all in the future. Let's get going. And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was 12 days for us. Woo! Not the best episode turnaround we've ever had. <laughs> That's when you know it's going to be a banger. Well, you know, I uh, I did my thing, you know, where I, uh, where I watched it one episode a day. Uh, except that there were a couple of times in which I skipped a couple of days before I watched the next episode. Because I didn't feel particularly inclined to watch the next episode. Yeah. Also, I'm recording in a completely different space now, so if my mic sounds dumb, it's because it is. Yeah, the audio is Mac's fault this time. (laughs) Yeah, this time. This time. (laughs) And yeah, I was watching it, and I got five minutes into it, and I was like, oh, this is going to be one of those episodes where I paint the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I can usually tell now. I can usually tell almost immediately, like, okay, this is one I need to paint for. Yeah, so let's let's go ahead and uh, talk about the most important aspect of this episode. So what'd you paint? Oh, fuck, what did I paint? Oh, I've been painting Battletech lately. Ooh. So I got these two little robots painted up. Uh, one's red and one is purple. Cool, I like them. I like them a lot. Yes. And join us next time. <laughs> join us next time. Next time. Why Caleb paints orcs? Okay, yeah. So the the short version here is, I got about halfway through the fourth episode, and I put it in my rankings, and then I got a little bit further, and I started, and I was like, nah, and I lowered it in my rankings, and then I got to the end of it, I was like, done with the story. I was like, okay, it's in my bottom five. I think I can think I can safely put that. And then I thought about it. For a little bit after I was done, and I was like, eh, you know what? I think I can go a little bit lower. <laughs> it is now currently sitting at my second least favorite. Uh, so it's better than the Claws of Axos. I'll give it that. That's about all I'll give it. I think Claws of Axos is better. Almost exclusively because at least the science fiction concept in it wasn't like the dumbest thing in the world. See, this is one of those episodes that really frustrated me because, like, if I were handed this concept, I would have been able to make a way better episode than this. I I can think of so many good ideas that could go with this episode, and they didn't do fucking anything with it. And it just is frustrating. It's not so much an idea not living up to its potential, so much as just them being handed the idea and then just holding it in their hands and just staring at it for four episodes straight. Yep. They don't even really capitalize on the concept of carnival. You know, the word in the fucking title. No, they don't. They don't capitalize on anything. It sucks. Yeah, it's very bad. And so that's why I say, I think it's slightly, I think Cause of Access is slightly better because at least there was like some kind of skin deep (laughs) philosophy to it. of like, oh, you know, if, you give people things that will immediately be- benefit them politically, they will take advantage of it. I think the Claws of Axos is worse just because of just how how poorly written and how poorly edited it is. And just, there was a lot that didn't make sense and a lot that was clearly cut out that they should have kept in. 
go go listen to my episode on Claws of Axos if if you, if you need a refresher. Uh, I could I could definitely see the idea that like, Claws of Axos is a worse produced episode. Yes, this episode is worse, <laughs> my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> it just has the slightly better production value and absolutely fucking nothing to do with it. Yeah. So, well, let's go into specifics about how much it sucks. Yeah, let's dig, let's dig into it. Episode one. We open on an alien planet where gross gray aliens are unpacking Christmas presents. Then a humanoid couple walks in and reveals their garish, hideous outfits. They are Vorg and Sherna, and they have a little show to put on. The aliens are super suspicious of them and don't appear to like new things. Meanwhile, Joe and the Doctor arrive at their new destination. The Doctor is convinced they're on an alien planet, but all the evidence points to them still being on Earth. They appear to be on a ship in the middle of the Indian Ocean, and then... a sea monster attacks wait no not a sea monster a dinosaur the monster attacks the ship and then everyone just kind of forgets about it they also seem to forget meeting the doctor and joe and lock them up the doctor notices a hatch made of a weird alien alloy and wants to get a tool from the tardis but a giant hand appears from nowhere and steals it so these aliens for i forget what they're called it doesn't matter i'm gonna call them the neutrals because they look like the neutrals from futurama from futurama <laughs> yeah because this is a Futurama podcast. They kind of act like the neutrals from <laughs> Futurama a little bit too. Are they in blackface? It seems like it's a literal gray area because it's more like gray face, but yeah, it still doesn't look great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look great. A, it's bad design and yeah, yeah, it makes me a li- it made me a little uncomfortable. It it genuinely looks like someone was trying to cosplay as one of the neutrals from Futurama and didn't think that all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> and then like they literally open on them like unpacking boxes from this machine, and it straight up looks like the Christmas present machine from the live action The Grinch. Yeah, it's got like a weird shape to it, and like just these huge like christmas boxes like it's got the gift wrap and like the little red bow and the gigantic press that squishes it down to a pancake so that it says <laughs> fragile on it yeah yeah it was, uh, <laughs> this is the point where i was like oh god i can already tell this is gonna be terrible yeah and then like these these workers i get are they a separate species from the neutrals i don't know it's hard to tell they look weirder but they don't I, I, that was not really explained but like one of them is just like sick and tired of doing all this manual labor and he like tries to start a revolt like wordlessly because they can't talk and then he just gets shot down by one of the neutrals uh and then his body gets dragged off and i'm like oh it's gonna be one of those stories it's not uh that's not brought up like at all anymore sometimes the the workers uh stage revolts and then they get it then they get shot uh and then everyone goes about their day <laughs> yep <laughs> it's not it's not brought up at fucking all <laughs> yeah it's i don't fucking know and like i think in like episode four or like late episode three episode four they try to in, like inject some like world building or some like reason for everyone to revolt and it's half the episode, and I'm like, I don't fucking care. I don't know what's going on anymore. And it's bad. It's bad. Yeah, I don't know. And then the, then the neutrals um, hate this, the carnies. And granted, there are plenty of reasons to hate these guys. I, I understand that. But, like, they jump to hatred uh, because they're talking about inferior races to them. Uh, and I was like... There could be a statement about aliens and blackface talking about inferior races. Let's see if it goes anywhere. No. No. No, it, it, <laughs> it doesn't. Again, <laughs> they're they're holding it in their hands. And then they're just staring at it. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Sharna, I think her name is, like, she comes in and she's yeah. got, like, this brown overcoat on. And then she takes off she's got this, like, green leotard green on. Green leotard with, like, pink leggings and then does a little jig, and I was like, I can't. Uh, this is the point where I was like, I'm just going to paint. There's no fucking way I'm paying attention to this anymore. <laughs> to quote the, back to the uh, the Grinch, you did the right thing. <laughs> I'm three minutes into the first episode, and I already clock out. <laughs> With this episode, that's fair. 
<laughs> I don't blame you. Whenever I'm buying Doctor Who DVDs, basically what I do is I just I go to Doctor Who on eBay and then I put minus Seuss, so I'm not getting a whole bunch of Horton Hears a Who uh, DVDs. <laughs> and I just kind of scroll through, and then once I reach ten minute, uh, sorry, once I reach ten bucks, that's when I stop looking. So I only get like the cheapest ones. Carnival of Monsters has been one that's popped up a couple times, but I haven't bought it yet. But since watching this episode, I've scrolled through eBay and come across it, and I'm I'm just like, "Uh, what else you got? (laughs) What else you got? Anything else? Uh, I don't feel like it's going to be a hard one to purchase. No, and I'll get it eventually for like a couple of bucks, and that'll be fine. But like, I'm not too eager. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so it's not like you're gonna rush out and get this one like when it appears. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, then the TARDIS lands in what appears to be just like a regular Navy ship. And then Joe hears a noise and she does like a huge shriek. And I'm like, oh god, it's gonna be one of those. Oh, fuck me. I've said it's going to be one of those stories at least three separate times in just like the first couple of minutes. <laughs> and uh, then it turns out it's chickens. It's just chickens in a cage. And I'm like, okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anyway. And Joe's convinced that they're on Earth. The Doctor is not convinced. And they do have an exchange that I did think was 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 kind of funny when Joe says, We're on Earth, aren't we? Doctor says, No, that's impossible. And Joe says, Can't you ever admit that you're wrong? And Doctor says, No, that's impossible too. <laughs> that was good so yeah so and then they meet all these people on the ship and it's like i'm colonel andrews and i blah 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 it does not fucking matter even remotely mm, no none of it none of it none of it matters none of it fucking matters caleb not one <laughs> goddamn thing in this entire fucking story matters and i fucking hate it <laughs> uh because yeah they literally go through and it's like oh here's like the four people on this big boat and then oh my god a dinosaur appears out of nowhere okay this is, this is another one of the podcast episodes that I genuinely think that by the end of it, I'm probably going to lower it on my ranking even more. <laughs> because, like, the more I think about it, because I just jokingly said nothing matters, and then I think about it, and I'm like, nothing matters. Nothing matters. Nothing. Like, pick an aspect of the story. Literally any aspect of the story. It does not matter. Not even a little. It's not even one of those things where, like, the story is unrelated to anything else, and then at the end, the Doctor gets a little bit more advanced on the TARDIS or something. Nothing. There is nothing. Nothing matters. And, okay, I guess spoilers, I don't know, maybe you were able to figure it out from the first episode recap. I don't know. The ship is stuck in a time loop, so literally anything that happens on the ship will not matter in a couple of minutes. Mm Mm-hmm. Them getting discovered and uh, accused of being stowaways and uh, the naval officer like pointing guns at him and threatening them and locking them up doesn't matter because then they just kind of walk out of their cell and they're like bye George who are you you can do cool things with a time loop they chose not to (laughs) yeah they just chose to keep doing the time loop (laughs) let's do the time loop again no let's not do the time loop again i've had enough of it because yeah that's all that happens the rest of the episode the the monster attacks they run away they get locked up they get out everyone's like who the fuck are you and the monster attacks again and then they leave there there are a couple of things that i will i will point out because otherwise this episode will be 20 minutes long the actor who plays i think his name is andrews like the young yeah. naval the young naval officer mm-hmm. the one who is clearly uh got a boner for the daughter of the man who is the epitome of <laughs> colonel mustard colonel mustard <laughs> colonel mustard's <laughs> daughter he's trying to bone colonel mustard's daughter and uh, uh i don't remember what the actor's name is but uh he will eventually play a companion and so I'm choosing that this naval I'm choosing to believe that this naval officer is like that companion's dad or grandpa just based on what we've established so far of <laughs> the same actor playing descendants. The doctor and Joe like duck and hide when it looks like there are people about and then uh, the and Colonel Mustard is like, "Oh no, I'm going I'm going to finish this book, eh what?" 
and he starts reading and then falls asleep. And then the doctor and Joe like stand up from their hiding place and then they are discussing what they've seen so far and how it doesn't quite make sense. And I'm like, yes, yes, this is all a very fascinating conversation to have. Let's have it literally anywhere else other than in the room with the sleeping man. <laughs> Leave the fucking room first, you idiots. We're going to have it right here. He's asleep. <laughs> he's not, he's not going to wake up. He's not. It's not like he's going to eavesdrop. He's asleep. Okay, and then cut over to the neutral planet, and the carnies are setting up, like, their carnival of monsters. A TV. They're setting up a TV. They set it up, and the neutrals are asking what exactly it is they do, and the carnies are like, oh, we're we're entertainers. And the neutrals are like, we have no place for that here. We don't do entertainment. And I'm like, "Then then why were they allowed on this planet to begin with? Like... I don't understand. Why did they come here? <laughs> because it was the next stop. The show must go on. Huh, I guess. This episode also reaffirmed my hate for theater people. <laughs> uh, yeah, but but they explain they explain what the the thing is. The, the mini scope. The mini scope. Yes, that's what it was called. It was uh, where they <laughs> they like took alien creatures from other planets and then like made tiny little biomes for them and they put them in the biome and like they just are living in a loop and like it's roll up roll up roll up come see the freaks and you can watch these aliens do the same thing over and over again it's fascinating so fascinating the episode ending with the hand of god reaching down and picking up the tardis was an unexpected cliffhanger, and I did enjoy it. I'll give it that. I guess. I don't know. Was I the only one who knew they were in the box the whole time? No, I did know. I, you know, I knew they were in the miniscope. But, like, having, like, a huge hand reach down and, like, grab the TARDIS and lift it out. I don't know. I thought it was a kind of cool visual. Yeah, I agree. It's probably the most interesting thing in this episode. I was just about to say, that is... The end of my compliments for this episode. <laughs> the hand was cool. <laughs> the hand was cool. <laughs> yeah. That's the end of my notes in general on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on to episode two, I guess. Boy, howdy. Episode two. Vork calls his weird little box a miniscope, and he pulls the TARDIS out of it before sticking it back in. He shows the aliens a bunch of teeny tiny monsters. He presses a button to make them go super aggro. Everyone on the ship is now suddenly very hostile. The Doctor and Joe escape them through the alien hatch, and they appear to be surrounded by weird clockwork stuff. The aliens do not like the little circus and try to destroy the box. When that fails, the aliens pull the TARDIS back out, and it grows to its normal size. The Doctor and Joe find themselves in a marsh, and a big ugly monster called a Drashig appears and does a roar. One thing that they could have done that was cool with this time loop that they almost touched on was while they were... Well, the Doctor and Joe were wandering around the ship trying to, like, get back to the TARDIS and trying to figure the shit out. They kind of see the loop from different perspectives and, like, different parts, which was kind of cool. Or at least could have been cool. Um, and at one point, the Navy guy and Claire... I don't remember why her name is Claire. She's the only character whose name I remember. Anyway, <laughs> um, she was talking about, like, oh, he's gone on such wonderful adventures... I wish I could go on an adventure because they're heading to Shanghai. And uh, he says that um, I've sailed into Shanghai 50 times in my life. I know what Johnny Chinaman is like. And I'm like, hmm. Oof. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> oh, hmm. wow. Hmm. I'm sure glad I was painting during that part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, they were, they were talking about, they were talking about some sort of play that she went and saw. And he was, unimpressed with it because it was not it was not uh, authentic to the real uh, Chinese people and then perci- proceeded to <laughs> say Johnny Chinaman and I was like hmm 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 <laughs> <laughs> and okay and then cuts of the carnies they explain what it is they are and it's like so you're not carnies then you're literally just carrying a TV around and you've got like a couple of shows recorded on VHS that you can rewind and play again if you want. Why are you wearing those stupid outfits? 
<laughs> Why did she do the dance in episode one if their if their show isn't based on doing a dance and just having everyone crowd around a TV? This is dumb. <laughs> this is the worst carnival ever. <laughs> and then to show off like, oh, what he can do with it, he says, by turning this knob, we can increase the aggression of the creatures. And he like does it on the human ship. Uh, because the doctor and Joe had just gotten caught again as stowaways for not the first or last time. And the naval officer, I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically was like, hmm, by Jove, I am quite peeved. I'll be giving this good man quite the thrashing, eh what? No, I shall wait for you to take off your jacket slowly so we can practice proper pugilism by our decided rules and regulations, eh what? <laughs> No, that was that was pretty much verbatim, actually. It's like just shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> you just were holding a gun the and then put it off to the side and then waited for the doctor to take off his jacket so that you can do pugilism stuff and like you both pre-decided on what specific type of boxing rules you were gonna follow, and I'm like, just punch him. What kind of increased aggression is this? <laughs> I want my money back. <laughs> it very much has the vibe of, uh, we're losing them. Crank up the anger. Like, I don't get it. Like, he literally had the gun pointed at the doctor, and then the aggression was turned up, and then he put the gun down. I feel like we we went backwards just a little bit. <laughs> it's very dumb. And <laughs> the boxing match is quite hilarious. The doctor has a line where he's like, oh, I got lessons from... I'm assuming some 20th century boxer. Probably. He got lessons from world-famous pugilist Tommy Ray Handley. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first time, uh, the first time because I was watching this, I was like, why didn't he do his Venusian stuff? Right. Where, where's the Venusian boxing? Because that wouldn't be proper, and they must, they must follow the rules and regulations that have been put down, I guess. I don't know. <sighs> Anyways, it's entirely too long. <laughs> because it's an aspect of the story that doesn't go anywhere, Caleb, that's why. Anyways, it also leads nowhere because they just kind of run away afterwards. Yeah. I think the doctor gets like two whacks in and then the guy goes down. I'm like, okay. And then they run away and then I think they hide somewhere and then the loop starts over again. So, okay. <laughs> All right. Boy, howdy, this is going somewhere. I'm sure any minute now it'll go somewhere. Um, and then there's more arguing about the aliens and the box, and there's th there's three neutrals who are like, we're gonna use the thing to justify a revolution or something. Yeah, th to justify a revolution to overthrow the liberal leader so that they can get they can put conservatives more in in power. I'm like, I don't. Not to tell you this, guys. I think you already have a conservative nation. I don't think you need to try <laughs> much. Um, just throw them out there. Yep, just throw it out there. Huh? You already hate everything that's different than you. You're pretty conservative. Yeah, you, you, you've already got it down, dude. The performers did say that they came all the way from planet Deimos, which sounds enough like... Deimos, where the daemons are from, that I'm choosing to believe that that's where they actually came from, and he just said it wrong. <laughs> Vorg is actually just a demon. <laughs> Vorg's just like, for some reason, for some reason, the devil didn't like my TV shows, so I decided to pack up and go elsewhere. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then they're in the clock thingy, and then they go in the swamp, and I, another dinosaur-looking doohickey. But this one's not a dinosaur. It's not a dinosaur, Quick question, if the specimens aren't supposed to get out and, like, wander around in, inside the circuitry, why does the circuitry have walkways in it? Well, the specimens aren't supposed to get out, but what, what if it breaks? Someone's got to go down there and, and fix it, It right? breaks several times over the course of this story, and not once do they shrink down to try and fix it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would almost accept that as an answer if they didn't show several examples of him not doing that. <laughs> maybe maybe they have specimens and that the the little gears are like a factory they work in i don't know i feel like it would work well if it was like like in the war games where they had like one or two people in there 
to like make sure everything goes smoothly. I mean, it'd be the most boring job in the world, but like most jobs are you just doing the same thing over and over again. So I feel like it actually wouldn't be all that bad. <laughs> you would literally just need like an extra in the background, just pulling a lever again and again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> <laughs> just one, just one. <laughs> Uh, gosh, what was your favorite part of this episode, Caleb? The part where the Doctor and Joe are just kind of walking around doing nothing, or the part where the assholes stood around doing nothing? Because, I don't know, I'm going to have to flip a coin on that one. <laughs> uh, I think it was the part that went, where it went, uh... And the credits started rolling? Yeah, yeah, that was a pretty good part. I like that part. Yeah, I feel like by the end of this, the... the it's going to drop down to my least <laughs> The more I think about this episode, the more I hate it. <laughs> that was me with, you know, that one I repressed out of my memory. The time monster? The time. Oh, fuck. Why did you bring it back? <laughs> oh, God. The memories are coming back. Gosh, I read episode three? I guess. <laughs> what the fuck else are we going to talk about? <laughs> the doctor torches the marshes Vietnam style with the sonic screwdriver. Huh. Vorg reaches his hand in to stop the Drashigs from pursuing Joe and the Doctor. That's when the Doctor realizes they're in a miniscope. As they escape, Joe is caught by Andrews, uh, you know, one of the dudes from the boat. The aliens are ready to kick out Vorg and Sherna, and there is some political scheming I didn't care about and didn't pay attention to. The Drashigs attack the boat place, and the Doctor escapes out of the miniscope as a teeny tiny man. Okay, so, like, the Dreshig is, like, this huge this huge worm type creature that like has razor sharp teeth and uh, huge scales and is like several stories tall. And I know the doctor is supposed to be like the brave hero or whatever, but he's looking at this mythical Leviathan sprouting out of the moors, like a vaguely annoying sunbeam peeking through the clouds. I'm like a little trepidation is all I'm asking for. <laughs> Make us feel like this is a threat, please. Or just, Turn around and go back inside. <laughs> My next note is, it's an Alaskan ball worm. <laughs> yeah, and then the doctor blows it up. Yes, but before that, the worm comes up and it's like roaring and they're like, oh my god. And then it just kind of fucks off. It just goes past them. Like it just wanders by. I was like, oh gosh. I was worried something exciting was about to happen. Thank God we managed to avoid that. They're too small for it to worry about. Well, actually, they do give a reason. Because Joe also wonders why the fuck it didn't just vor them. And uh, the doctor says, it couldn't have seen us, Joe. It's hunting by scent. And I'm like, okay, huh? first of all, it has six eyes. Are you telling me that those are just for decoration? <laughs> Second of all... Are you further telling me that neither of you give off any scent whatsoever? <laughs> Third of all, are you telling me that you've encountered these creatures enough times that you know how they hunt? Maybe that's why he was looking at it like he was like, hmm, that's rather annoying instead of actually being scared. <laughs> it really just reaffirms my opinion that I've had since season one. Uh, of the doctor doesn't actually know anything and just lies about everything. Yeah, that's basically it. They try to get back to where they came from, and man, it's a good thing their costumes involve knee-high boots all of a sudden in this story. Uh, this makes walking through these moors way easier. <laughs> but then, like, Joe gets stuck in the moors, and she, like, can't get out, and uh, Dreshigs are, I, I guess, picked up on their scent all of a sudden and are starting to home in on them. And... <sighs> And the doctor takes out his sonic screwdriver <laughs> and makes the inflammable gases of the moors or whatever ignite and they explode and they scare off the dreshigs. Thank God not a single spark went over to the pool that Joe is stuck in five feet away from the explosions, <laughs> but... You know, with the sonic screwdriver, the, the thing that undoes screws with sound mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like he's managed to activate like landmines from a distance with that and i can almost get that i can i can almost get that because it's like vibration vi vi vibration dealing with like activating re deactivating technology whatever 
igniting flammable gases seems a little out of its whatever added to the list <laughs> i definitely see where you're going right at a certain point it just becomes a wand from harry potter it really does <laughs> it really fucking does and it's probably one of my biggest pet peeves of the show so they, they manage to get back into the circuits and they're winding down and uh, the doctor reveals oh we're in a mini scope and uh, he absolutely hates miniscopes. In fact, he did, uh, when he still lived on his own planet, he was actually one of the people who pushed for miniscopes to be banned, just like across the galaxy, uh, because they were incredibly unethical. And so the Time Lords banned it, which is a thing that they apparently can do. And have the authority to do, despite saying they don't interfere. interfere. And then he he says, and I quote, "They called them all in and destroyed them." Is is that all they did? Because they're fucking time lords. I figured their version of banning something was going like going back to the moment of its creation and like unaliving the inventor. <laughs> I mean, why not? And also, I don't want to harp on this too much. I would hate for anyone to uh, accuse us of being political, but they banned the portable zoo and not say guns or nuclear <laughs> bombs. The mini-zoo. That's what they felt was necessary to ban from time, huh? Okay. Cool. <laughs> Glad they have their priorities straight. Nuclear weapons only affect one area for a certain amount of time. The miniscopes can take people for time. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they sure can. <laughs> <sighs> and then when they're done with it, they put them back in their time. Almost like they weren't even gone at all. Were the warlords using a miniscope? Because this seems kind of similar, almost. Not quite, but like, similar-ish. It's adjacent. It's a similar concept, and like there's like separate biomes that are different periods of time. or uh, Like, that was just Earth, but like... the different planet biomes and yeah i guess that was different enough that the time lords were like nah it's fine until they were called in they're like okay now we'll shut it down well like the war games was fine because it was like big the problem wasn't what they were doing the problem was the box (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) my theory is the doctor had a working prototype of it and someone else patented it and now he's just mad doesn't want anyone else to have it sounds about right the Doctor and Joe are going through the circuits trying to figure out how they're going to get out. And the Dreschigs have burst into the circuits and they like found this shaft. And the Doctor's like, I'm pretty sure that the exit is down there. And Joe is just like, but the Dreschigs are coming and we don't have any rope. And we don't have a way of getting down there. And the only way to get rope is to go back to the ship. But we don't have, but like we can't go back there because the Dreschigs are in the way. And blah, 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 blah. I'm like, shut up. If you want to stand around and point out all of the negatives, I guess we can do that until the Dreschigs come and eat us. But uh, I'd rather actually do shit, personally. This is my preference. And then they do go back to the ship to try and get some rope. And the Dreschigs burst out of like the hole in the ship, the hole that led to the circuits. And, like, the Dreschigs are on the ship, and they're like, Oh my god! This vicious monster is attacking the people on this ship! But luckily, Colonel Mustard had a Tommy gun and shot at it a couple of times. And it died. Done and done. And I'm like, Was that fucking it? What? Was that it? It just took a couple of shots from a Tommy gun to kill one of these Alaskan bullworms? Mac, you don't understand. They're, they're a peak apex predator, meaning they have no defenses. They have wax paper skin. I'm like, finally when it feels like 
the story is going somewhere and like has actual conflict even that they're like uh, never mind we're done with that like the drashigs come back but like they're such a non-threat with how much they're built up i expected nothing and i'm still disappointed <laughs> <laughs> yeah this episode's very not good yeah they uh still hadn't quite learned uh what scale was with green screen at this point because the doctor like climbs down the rope gets down to the um bottom of the shaft and there's like a dead dreshig down there and it looks like the dreshig is behind him but then the doctor walks forward and up to it and uh because apparently the dreshig was apparently in the foreground and now it looks much smaller than the doctor they have no sense of scale (laughs) yeah do it again (laughs) do it again it's wrong Okay, so the doctor goes down, is trying to figure out a way out, but Joe, in order to give him the opportunity to get out, Joe kind of like puts her hands up and is like, ah, oh, sorry, I'm a stowaway, and, uh, and she goes with the naval officers. And like, the time loop happens a couple of times while she's solo. And like, every single time, she's like, how can you not remember? It was just a few moments ago. I'm like... Joe, how many times does the time loop need to be explained to you? Why are you trying to get them to remember shit? You know it won't work. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, she just keeps doing it. Like, she feels like she's caught in a time loop just as much as the people on the ship are. Like, she just... It's dumb. I hate it. Let's move on to episode four. Episode four. The doctor grows to normal size, which makes the aliens very mad. The doctor wants to save Joe, but the two circus people are more interested in committing insurance fraud. I don't know. Something about making money if they think if the things in the box die. Two of the aliens sabotage their own city so the Dreshigs wreak havoc when they escape. The doctor goes back in the miniscope and saves Joe. Vord kills the Dreshigs, and he agrees to return all the miniscope's inhabitants to their rightful place. Joe and the doctor fuck off while Vorg tries to make some cash, and no one has appeared to learn anything. A not insignificant part of, like, the first, I'd say, like, basically the first ten minutes of this episode is just them standing around talking about intergalactic law and, like, immigration policies and all this shit. And it's, like, it's almost, I almost enjoy watching them do that as much as I love them standing around and talking about the technicalities of how this fucking machine works please make it stop <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah because this is what i was talking about where like you know at a certain point like they try to do all this world building like at the end when i already don't fucking care anymore i'm struggling to remember a story that i was i was so eager to see done in recent memory this episode angered me and i haven't had that in a while well, actually, I think the Space Pirates was the last time that there was an episode that actually angered me. And coincidentally, that was also written by Robert Holmes. <laughs> so <laughs> I am very wary of him moving forward. <laughs> yeah, it just, it tries to do all this world building, like right at the end when we don't care. They're explaining stuff that just does has not been set up at all. Like the three neutrals are talking about like, oh, the president, like, doesn't want to do this so I was so we'll start a revolt so we can replace him to do that it's like I don't fucking care and I don't know what you're talking about yeah I don't fucking care and you've done nothing to make me care you guys have been nothing but dicks this entire time I couldn't give less of a shit about the political landscape of your planet if I actively tried you can all kill each other in a civil war for all I care I just stop talking and then Okay, so the doctor shrinks down to go back into the machine and try, and he gets Joe back. And, like, he's waiting on Vorg to, like, flip a switch on the machine outside so that they can get back out. Um, but, like, the machine is faulty, so, like, he, so Vorg's trying to make some things happen. And a couple of the neutrals are waiting for just orders to come down to, for, like, the, you know, the fucking triplicate has been signed so they can send the carnies away and one of them is wanting the dreshigs to come out of the machine and like the dreshigs are like pounding on a panel in the machine it looks like they're gonna get out but they haven't gotten out yet so they're just kind of waiting 
There's literally three separate groups of people just sitting around waiting for something to happen. The only person who's actually actively doing anything is just kind of like crouched down next to a machine with a wrench. I hate this episode, Caleb. The more I talk about it, the more I fucking despise this episode. Yeah, because it's bad. If you look at my notes, it's just me struggling to try and think of literally anything to talk about. But it's... There's nothing. But not, There's like, nothing. nothing happens. Nothing happens. And then and then something happens. Oh my god, something happens. The dreschigs bust out of the machine and then they grow to the normal size and they're shot once with a laser cannon and die done and i guess the laser cannon will do if you don't have a tommy gun laying around and then vorg beep boops on the machine a little bit and flips a switch and everybody is sent back to where they needed to be and the Doctor and Joe appear just outside the machine and in front of the TARDIS because that's where they needed to be. And if that's the case, why did the Doctor go back into the machine? Uh, uh, he had to save... If the machine brings everybody back where they're supposed to be, Joe should have just back outside. Why did the Doctor go back to the machine? He had negative because, reasons to do that. Because, um, what else would he have done? He could have been the one crouching down with a, with a wrench. He could have been the one to flip the switch. <laughs> he could have stopped the Dreschigs from being released. Oh no, what, like, what would have happened if he stopped the Dreschigs from happening? Something doesn't happen in this story? My god, could you imagine? We've been dealing with that for the past three and a half episodes. I don't think that's going to change now. Oh. <laughs> Mag, I haven't seen this angry in a while, and I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. <laughs> oh, god, again, I don't think it's been since the Space Pirates that I've been this angry at an episode. Yeah, and then uh, the ones who were trying to do a revolution fucking died, I guess. And then um, Vorg is doing a scam on like one of the other neutrals who's like keeps falling for it and then the doctor and joe are like well i guess they didn't learn any lesson <laughs> and then they go back into the tardis and it dematerializes and i'm like yes yes they all live happily ever after who cares please roll credits wow what a journey what a journey really just feels like i just stood in the middle of an empty room staring at a wall for two hours <laughs> <laughs> Trivia. Trivia? Final thoughts? <laughs> so, Trivia. Mac did not like this episode. <laughs> Katie Manning provided the chicken noises in episode one. That's fun. So the actress who played the female Carney and the actress who played Claire, again, no idea why I remember her name. Uh, they were both actually considered for the role of Joe when she was first cast. They weren't cast... But uh, Barry Letts promised them both future roles in the series because he liked them a lot. I wonder if they were all bitter that this is the story. This mentions Major Daly. I guess Major Daly is Colonel Mustard, I'm assuming. I don't know. So John Pertwee recommended uh, Tenniel Evans to play Major Daly uh, because it was Evans who encouraged Pertwee to audition for the role of the Doctor in the first place. So Pertwee wanted to return the favor. Filming had been interrupted by a bomb scare, but it turned out it was just a ticking alarm clock in the bags of one of the effects assistants. <laughs> I'm assuming that effects assistant was then fired. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Uh, final. That's more interesting than thoughts. anything that happened in the episode. <laughs> it's a bad episode. Fuck, this one was painful. I think I still hate the time monster more. I don't see how, but okay. But I think this one's a close second. I, I think the reason like this one doesn't bother me as much is like, well, it's one of those do nothing episodes, so I just, I didn't even try. It was like the time monster I focused on. I was like, what the fuck is going on in this story? And I just got more angry the more I watched it. Yeah. See, I think one, again one of the problems that I have with this story is that like. You hear Carnival of Monsters, and you think of, like, this colorful circus full of, like, fantastical beasts that the Doctor's gonna have to contend with. Instead, you get a shit ton of gray, 
and an Alaskan bullworm that goes down if you sneeze at it. Like, here's what here's what I was picturing. Like, if I was handed this concept of just like Carnival of Monsters, Doctor is trapped in a Carnival of Monsters, go. Here's what my pitch would be. Keep the Carney ringleader, make it an actual fucking circus, first of all. Keep the Carney ringleader, and then uh have oh man, we finally got a time lord. Isn't that cool? We've never had a time lord in the circus before. That's that's gonna bring in a huge crowd and like he's going to find other aliens who have been abducted he's going to find a dalek he's going to find a cyberman he's going to find an ice warrior he's going to find a yeti he's going to find fucking zarby i don't care he's going to find a whole bunch of different aliens that he's had to fight at some point but they have to work together in order to break out of this thing and take down the ringleader that's my pitch that'd be a cool concept wouldn't it though <laughs> shit ton better than what we got here infinitely better even if it was executed poorly it would be far more interesting at than least what happened here it would be an idea <laughs> <laughs> and then there's this sh- scene on the ship with a bunch of proper Brits reacting to stowaways um, and then there's this scene on the ship with a bunch of proper Brits reacting to stowaways uh, and then there's the scene on the ship with a bunch of proper Brits reacting to stowaways uh, and then there's the scene. It's repetitive, uh, is my mm-hmm. point here. Are you, are, you, are you getting that? Is my point coming across <laughs> there? I'm hoping my point is coming across there. Yeah, this episode managed to drop down one spot. Down into my my least favorite. <laughs> Over the course of this it's podcast. Bad. It's bad. It's bad. It is bad. <laughs> At least Claws of Axos was like baffling in some ways. They're just like weird editing choices. I've noticed that I'm... I'm a lot harsher to episodes that are, like, boring Yeah. than actually, like, bad. Because, like, at least the bad stuff is stuff you can actually talk about. Carnival of Monsters, mm-hmm. it really just feels like a whole bunch of people just standing around talking and the, the, the Doctor and Joe walking around a lot. Boy, howdy. Remember when the Doctor did... Uh, he blew up the gases with a oh, sonic yep. screwdriver. That's, <laughs> That's a thing oh, he did. you're right. He did a thing. He did do a thing at some point in these four episodes. <laughs> and you know what's a good episode when the doctor does uh, a thing. thing. <laughs> Take us out of this, Caleb. Well, that's it for this episode, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want to support us, the best thing you can do is give us five stars and tell your friends about us. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know, all the major podcast things. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Instagram at Quick Trip Podcast. Also, be sure to check out Mac's YouTube channel, Mac the Ma, where they do insightful videos about video games. And join us next time on a quick trip through space and time, in which we watch another episode I remember being one of my favorites from high school in Frontier in Space. God, I hope it's still good. <laughs> please, please, dear God, let it still be good. <laughs>